All right, we are recording. Uh, hey, everybody, it's Will with Schedulefly, and I'm here in Charleston, South Carolina today with Ben Garby, who is the GM at Lewis Barbecue, which is, I just I just ate Lewis. It's actually the second time I've been here. Phenomenal place in a, a frankly, a very, very competitive culinary town. And this place stands out uh, and is doing really well and uh, <clears throat> has an interesting story. So uh, Ben was kind enough to take some time today. So Ben, thank you very much, man. Yeah, you're welcome, Will. Uh, so you're the GM here. Um, uh, tell me how you got in hospitality initially. Where, where does your story start? Well, I got my first job in a restaurant uh, as a Chinese delivery boy uh, in Lynchburg, Virginia, where I grew up. And uh, I started working there um, and uh, was the first of my friends to work there. And I got about five of my friends hired there. So it became a really fun job and just kind of cruising around in my car, delivering Chinese food. Nice. Worked in restaurants, um, you know, after that in college, uh, English degree and uh, taught high school for a year right out of college and then went straight back to restaurants and waiting tables and um, kind of just worked my way up uh, at restaurants and got into the management side of things and have uh, been doing that for um, probably the last six or seven years. How'd you get down here to Charleston? So my uh, now ex-wife uh, and I, we moved down here um, just because we uh, thought Charleston was always a cool place to go. Um, we went from uh, living in Lynchburg, Virginia for a year after college and uh, came down here and uh, I didn't have a job, didn't have a house, anywhere to live. So we stayed at the James Island County Park when we first moved here. Wow. And we were like, all right, you know, we got a couple hundred bucks. We're going to find a job and then we're going to find an apartment and we're going to make it happen. And we made it happen. <laughs> how, how long have you been here at Lewis? So I've worked with John. Um, we've been open since June 2016. Um, and I worked with him for about a year before we opened. So we did a series of pop-ups at Revelry Brewery, uh, which is right down the street. And then we spent about a year, you know, getting the restaurant together, doing other pop-ups in town, kind of getting the town excited for us, um, you know, honing in the food and um, getting all the, all the little details figured out. So about three and a half years. Okay. T- tell me about pop-ups. Like what, tell me a little bit more about w- what you're doing with that and how that works and, what the goal is when you are when you are doing this it worked great for us so what happened the kind of the timeline of things was this was 2015 and we had the space for the restaurant but we were waiting on permits and you know just the whole process takes a long time so instead of us just kind of sitting around twiddling our thumbs we're like hey we're gonna get ourselves out here and get the town excited for us so we partnered up with a local brewery revelry which is um literally two blocks away and we did a series uh, called the Lewis Barbecue Summer Pop-Up or Summer Barbecue or something like that. And we did 14 weeks of it. And we cooked in the, uh, at, you know, parking lots, essentially. And, uh, you know, just kind of wherever we could. And uh, was uh, a, a neighboring restaurant was nice enough for us to use their kitchen to prep the sides and everything like that. Um, so we did 14 weeks of that. And the first one, it was okay. And then by the end of the summer, we had people waiting about three hours for the barbecue and, um, you know, got everybody really excited about it. So it's one of the best things that we did to open strong. You mentioned John. John is, is the owner? Yep, John Lewis. What's the back? So what, what, he, did he come from? Where did he come from? He, so he was born in El Paso. Okay, I thought it, Texas yeah, had something to do with this. Kind of the, the story. It's kind of interesting. He uh, grew up in El Paso. 
uh, in Western Texas. And then he moved to Denver, um, like in his early 20s. And he thought that barbecue in Denver was not very good. So he started learning how to make barbecue. And then he started learning how to make smokers and just kind of started um, tinkering around with that and started doing these barbecue competitions and got pretty good at it. Then moved back down to Austin um, after living in Denver for a couple of years and teamed up with Aaron Franklin um, right when Aaron was starting with the trailer um, at his kind of now iconic barbecue restaurant. And so John was the kind of head pit master at Franklin Barbecue for the first um, two years that they were open. And then he moved on to another really well, um, well-renowned uh, Austin barbecue spot, La Barbecue, uh, which is still open and operating. Um, and he did that for about two years and then came to Charleston. And this is his first restaurant and uh, the only one right now. He knocked it out of the park here. What, what did, why did he come to? I mean, Charleston's a competitive place. What was his? Did he have a, a attachment to Charleston or a ties here? So or? no, not at all. He, um, I guess it was the summer of 2014. There was a local brewery, um, Holy City, and they had this. Uh, there's a, a local group called the Charleston Brown Water Society. And it's pretty much just a bunch of dudes that get together and drink bourbon. Yeah. And uh, they put fun. on, yeah, it's really fun. Uh, they put on this barbecue event every year. Um, and this was the first year they did it. And so they had, um, they invited John from, you know, La Barbecue at the time. And they invited Rodney Scott, who was not in Charleston at the time. He was at, uh, just in this Hemingway spot. Yeah. And the two of them uh, cooked barbecue. And this guy, BJ Dennis, uh, did all the sides. And he's this great, he does um, kind of his focuses on Gullah cuisine. Um, and he uh, is very much a part of the Gullah culture and uh, kind of promoting that and has been on Top Chef and, you know, numerous shows and, and stuff. So he was doing the um, he was doing the sides for that. So John came down here and was like, hey, man, Charleston's pretty cool. And, you know, it's got, you know, it's in the south where people love barbecue, but it doesn't have a rich barbecue culture. Um, and, you know, there's things that they can get here like you know oak wood grows here so that's kind of a big thing is there's a plentiful supply of oak wood um, which is very you know uh, essential to central texas style barbecue and um, yeah just uh, teamed up with uh, the guys that um, had owned this property and he was looking at much smaller spots to start with and they were like hey let's you know let's do it right let's do it big and uh, so got this spot and we have you know four huge smokers that John and his dad, they fabricated themselves. Um, they've got a little side company called Austin Smokeworks. And, um, you know, they do all the pits. And um, so made those in Texas, brought them up here. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of the heart of the restaurant. So so y'all had a good good following already from those pop-ups when you opened. Um, and what's uh, – so when you – and when you first started, it was how many years ago? Uh, three and a half. So, uh, summer of 2015. Okay. Okay. Three and a half. Yeah. Well, how, how many, how's it going? It's going great. Yeah. Yeah, We're steadily getting busier every year. And, uh, you know, we were, um, we opened with a big bang. We had news crews here. We had, you know, half the city show up for opening. So how did that, was that, were you prepared for that? Were you able to handle that? Cause I know sometimes when you have that and then you've got, you've got to actually execute that can be, I bet that was pretty challenging. (laughs) (laughs) So we, you know, 
one of the things with opening a restaurant is, you know, you're waiting for all these permits to come in. You're waiting for the final DHEC approval. So we didn't have a whole lot of practice runs. Uh, we had two nights of soft opening and, um, you know, that helped us. But as far as just, you know, learning this whole new computer system, all the, you know, the way that we serve meat and slice meat, we've got our meat slicers that are let now highly trained um, and they weren't you know very well trained a couple of them actually went down to La Barbecue with John and Austin um, before we opened and spent about a week working on the trailer uh, but for the most part you know it's the staff is pretty green moving slow the cooks back there had been doing it a little bit but they hadn't been um, had you know ample time to really really hone it in so you know I think that our um, you know our opening day food was was passable uh and pretty good but it's it's not what it was it's become today so you know people were just excited to see us open and um you know it was definitely an event here when it did and it took us a few weeks to uh to kind of hone it in and get it going well so i mean you've come a long way running an operation like this this is a significant business and there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of things going on from, you know, starting out driving Chinese food. And <laughs> here, here you are. Uh, clearly, you know, I know, you taught for a year, but this is clearly something that you really enjoy. And, and uh, I love it. you know, you, you have a passion for your craft. I can tell. So what, I mean, what is it about that you what do you love the most about it? You know, I like the um, I like the, you know, the opportunity to create a culture. Um, you know, within the restaurant for the staff and also for the customers that come in. So, you know, kind of the hierarchy of, um, of things. And, you know, Danny Meyer came up with this, not me. Um, but the number one people that you have to keep happy are your employees. Yeah. And the number two people that you have to keep happy are the customers. And the number three people that you have to keep up happy are the investors. Yeah. And so, you know, you keep those employees happy. They... Um, mirror that to the customers. They're in good moods. They're happy to be there. They're in a safe, comfortable work environment that is reflected to the customers who, you know, are spending their money and having a good time and giving us good reviews on Yelp and, you know, Google and whatever. Um, And then the money comes in for that and keeps everybody happy. Yeah, for sure. But I, I really enjoy, um, you know, creating a nice comfortable work environment um i've worked in a lot of restaurants that have had the opposite of that so really try to um, what does the opposite of that look like so just you know a lot of egos um you know in the kitchen and in the management in front of the house so you know i try to um be part of the team whenever i can and you know i'm not afraid to take out the trash or bust some tables or whatever needs to be done and um you know i try to lead by example and you know just that golden rules treating people the way you want to be treated yeah. uh, be it the dishwasher or the meat slicer or the guy that comes in at 3 a.m to start the pork ribs yeah. so just you know we're all a team and i just have my role and everybody's got their role and you know they're all pretty important yeah for sure for sure well that's yeah i was you kind of i mean i was going to ask you the kind of culture you're trying to create here i mean it's really one of inclusiveness and sort of a family environment and absolutely uh, yeah nobody's you know the ego part of it is uh it's interesting I'm I, I mean I'm finding more and more people these days Ben that have your philosophy um which makes a lot of sense to me uh and certainly seems to work really well particularly with staff I mean that's if you don't have good staff it's, uh, like you said like Danny Meyer said I mean that's where it all starts if they're not happy you're, you know it will translate over to the customers they're not going to be happy and, absolutely and, and, and they but they've got to buy into what you're doing not just do as I say but is 
you know, your style is do as I do, I, you know, leading by example, as you said. And, and uh, that's, <clears throat> that's a refreshing thing. I guess it's, I mean, I'm curious here, and it varies in different parts of the country, but I'm hearing a lot more these days about people are having a, it's just really hard to find and keep good people. Is that something you guys are always dealing with here? Or what's the, I mean, I know there's a lot of people that are <clears throat> dialed into the hospitality scene in Charleston, generally yeah. speaking. So that's probably a plus for you. You know, when we opened, um, probably the hardest part was staffing. Um, so I had a whiteboard at my house and I would look at it every day, multiple times a day. And I would just have all the different, um, positions, you know, I'd have dishwasher and I'd have one, two, three, four, five. I'd have meat slicer, one, two, three, four bartender, one, two, three, four, five, six. And, you know, just doing these interviews and, you know, people kind of taking a little bit of a gamble on us. Um, you know, say, Hey, do you want to come work for a restaurant that's not open yet? And, you know, we started doing the interviews about a month beforehand and somehow we got a full staff and, you know, it was a full time job, um, getting that. And, you know, a lot of the people that were on that opening staff are still here today, um, which I feel really good about. And people that leave usually leave for a good reason. You know, they go move or go back to school or, you know, you know, leave on a positive note. So that's that's important to me. And, um, you know, sometimes it's just not a good fit for people. But uh, as far as your question about, you know, staffing is that there are a lot of opening jobs uh, right now. So when I was kind of in my heyday of waiting tables and um, kind of doing that, that hustle was 2007, 2008, when, you know, the economy tanked and people were lucky to have a job, period. And so people just see it a little differently now because it's, you know, if it doesn't work out here, hey, just go down the street and, um, you know, get another job somewhere else. So that's really kind of part of something that's always in the back of my mind is creating that culture to keep people here and creating the safe, comfortable work environment where, you know, maybe you can go somewhere else and make a little bit more money or whatever. But I think that this, as far as doing front of the house or back of the house here, um, I think people kind of stick around here because it's a, you know, it's a comfortable um, place that people seem to not mind and kind of enjoy working here. Well, everybody wants to feel appreciated and validated. So I mean, those things are really important. Money's an issue, but you know, unless it's just um, the be all end all for you, then, then that probably isn't the best thing. But um, I mean, you're really creating an environment where people want to be and that's, that's good, man. Well, so how do you find, like when you lose somebody, maybe they, they graduate and they move on or whatever, they leave on a good How do you find So my favorite people? way to find things is kind of going back to the Chinese delivery days is, you know, I worked at this Chinese restaurant and I was the only person there that didn't speak Chinese. And, you know, I felt a little isolated and um, whatever. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden I realized, hey, if I got my friends to work here, this would be a lot more fun. So my number one favorite thing to do is when somebody's leaving to ask people around, hey, do you have any friends that would be like you put your name behind and like, yeah. this would be a good hire? And we've had a lot of people um, that way. So sometimes it doesn't always work out. And, uh, you know, obviously there's no hard feelings for the person that, you know, suggested yeah, that person. Yeah. But that's my favorite way to find people, um, you know, and if that doesn't really click or work out. Um, or we don't get anybody for that. You know, it's Craigslist and, uh, we, you know, Facebook ads and things like that. But, you know, I find a lot of those people are just kind of, you know, cruising the ads and they're not very serious about um, doing it. And, you know, there's a 50-50 chance that they even show up for the interview that we set up. And, 
you know, most mm. of the time, um, those are not the best hires, but, uh, we've had a few that have worked out really well, just kind of, kind of cold coming in here. But, you know, we've also created a restaurant with a good reputation. And I think people say, Hey, you know, this isn't a bad place to work. And, um, you know, people hear that and, uh, you know, it's important to keep that reputation, um, because you're always going to be looking for staff and, you know, you don't want to be like, Hey, you don't want to work for those jerks at Lewis barbecue. Right, right, right. Um, so, you know, that's always something to keep in mind and, um, you know, not burning any bridges that way. Yeah, for sure. For sure. What's the, uh, what's the most challenging thing about what you do? So, <laughs> uh, this might sound, you know, a little cliche or, uh, whatever, but I, I kind of have my, uh, little philosophy about what makes my job easy. And there's a couple pieces of criteria. And, uh, number one is everybody shows up. And number two is everybody's in a halfway decent mood. Number three is we don't run out of food. And number four is the weather's pretty good. So number one, everybody's showing up. That's absolutely you know, makes it the hardest thing in the world is if you get a phone call five minutes before someone shift and, you know, we've got different stations that are very specific and people are trained very specifically to those stations. And if somebody doesn't show up, you know, the whole ship falls down. Um, so we've got to figure out something really fast on the fly. Um, so that's the most important thing. And then number two is everybody showing up in a good mood. And I've learned in my years that I cannot control the way people are going to act or feel or the moods that they're going to come into. I just need to adapt to that. But if everybody's in a halfway decent mood, it makes my job a lot easier. Um, and it makes a better experience for the customers as well, especially on the front of the outside and the back of the outside. You know, the uh, bad attitude is very contagious and mm-hmm. it brings other people down. So you know, I'll usually, if I see something happening, I'll bring somebody in the office and just say, hey, you know, I just want you to be aware that what you're doing right now is, is bringing me down. It's bringing other people down, too. So, you know, take a walk around the block, cool down, whatever you need to do. But just, you know, don't bring this in here. Uh, running out of food. So when we first opened, we uh, just, you know, had no idea how busy we were going to be from night to night. And there was plenty of nights at 630 that we'd run out of brisket, oh, which man. is why people came, right. came here. So you know, having to explain to the customers that, hey, you know, we don't have brisket, but, you know, we've got sausage or whatever, um, you know, makes for a really challenging, um, challenging shift and uh, the weather being good. So we've got a beautiful, big outdoor patio. Mm. And on busy days, um, the inside seats get filled up really fast. And then people just run out of places to sit. So we've adjusted and we've come up with some other ideas, but we just don't have a ton of seating. So if I wake up and it's a rainy Saturday, I'm like, oh, brother, this shift's going to be way harder than <laughs> it needs to be because I'm going to be corralling people and, you know, telling people they can't sit down till they get their food and blah, blah, blah. So if those four things happen, um, you know, it's a it's a pretty good easy job um but you know it's it's more for me um about having to kind of look at the big picture of things and um you know kind of look at the long-term um ness of this so i'm one of the partners of lewis barbecue as well so kind of in it for the long haul i've got you know a stake in the stake in the business and so you know i treat it like my kind of home away yeah, from home. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I don't normally get into schedule flaw stuff on here, but I have to ask, cause you said when people don't show up, how do they, what, what, how is this, 
they have their schedule with their fingertips all the time. <laughs> They've gotten alerted. I guess sometimes things just happen. But what do you all do? I mean, do you use Schedulefly to just communicate with staff and Absolutely. broadcast so, out something to let people know somebody else, you know, ask somebody to come in? or Totally. So, you know, we're, uh, you know, enough of a place where if I know about it ahead of time or somebody says, hey, I meant to request this off, um, but I'm going out of town and I forgot to request it off. It's usually, I put the schedule out, you know, about a week before it actually happens. So we've got time to adjust. Um, You know, it's when you get somebody that uh, calls five minutes beforehand, that's Mm. when you're kind of scrambling a little bit. So that's more of, you know, getting on the phone and calling people and begging them and, (laughs) you know, figuring something out like that. So we do use Schedulefly. Uh, We use the message system to kind of broadcast messages uh, to everybody, anything important um, we use that for. And. Uh, I was kind of talking to uh, Will earlier about the first week that I did the schedule and uh, went from a place called Evo Pizza in North Charleston and um, great place, Neapolitan Pizza Craft Beer. But we, uh, you know, had two servers, an SA and a bartender on staff. So the schedule is pretty easy to do. And I was like, OK, well, I'll just do this on my Excel spreadsheet, just like any other time. And I think that I spent about 15 hours on that first schedule and had all this color code. And I mean, it's just nauseating to even think about. I was looking for a copy of it. Um, and I think I burned them all, um, <laughs> burned that memory. And then the next day, uh, I think after that schedule went out, I like started scouring the Internet for, um, you know, a schedule software company and Schedulefly uh, seemed to have the best you know, reviews and the places that were, uh, that I really enjoyed going to in Charleston were using them. So, um, really have been using them since week two and we've been open, um, since June, 2016. So that's cool. We we really appreciate it. No, I just always, you know, that's one of the big things we try to do is eliminate the, uh, people, you know, I didn't know when I was, I didn't know I was working. Uh, Uh, It's hard to make that excuse when it's on your phone. (laughs) Right there in your pocket. Um, okay, cool, man. Well, uh, so, so what's next for y'all? Well, we um, we actually had a there's a place called the workshop, uh, which is about a mile away, um, a little bit of an experimental um, place. It's a lot of businesses and there's a um, food hall there. It's called the workshop. And we had a stall called Juan Luis that was there for about a year and a half. Um, so we closed that in September. It was always kind of meant to be a temporary thing. Um, and we, uh, you know, we did it for about a year and a half. And um, kind of decided, you know, partly with staffing and um, the staffing issues that we had. And, uh, you know, it was just kind of time to move on. So that was our um, kind of little hobby restaurant, if you will. Uh, John likes to um, make fun, different names with his name. So Juan Luis is, you know, John Lewis um, mm. in Spanish. And his other alter ego is Johnny Luigi. And we've done a ah. few Detroit uh, style pizza nights nice. here. So the first one we did, um, John did Detroit style pizzas. I actually like to cook at home a lot and pizza is kind of, uh, something that I'm, I'm very interested in and doing. So I've got this little portable Neapolitan pizza oven. So I was doing Neapolitan pizzas. John was doing Detroit pizzas and Philip, who's our, um, chef day, uh, our kitchen manager, he is, uh, was doing these, uh, bagel bites and he made the, his own bagels for it and everything. So it's really oh, fun. Cool. Um, but you know, it was kind of like those pop-ups we did it on a Monday and we're closed on Monday and, uh, you know, 300 people showed up <laughs> for oh, wow. these pizzas. So we were, um, we were a little, uh, took a while for people to get their pizzas. So the second time we did it, we took reservations and, um, it was a little, 
uh, it was quite a bit calmer than the first night. So I think we'll probably do be doing another pizza night down the line. Um, as for another Lewis barbecue, we've looked at a few different spots in a few different towns and nothing's really clicked like it, it, it did in Charleston in this spot. So we're not opposed to it, but nothing's in the works right now. It's gotta be, gotta be the right fit. It's gotta You're be the right gonna, fit. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, going to another town is hard and food and is hard yep. and you know, where you don't know people, um, which is part of the reason why I kind of got on board as early as I did was because John, you know, he had the barbecue down, um, you know, the restaurant was going to be successful no matter what, but they really wanted somebody with um, some Charleston restaurant experience, yeah. connections here, connections to the community, um, which I think is why I got to be at kind of the top of the list is uh, a viable candidate for that. Okay. All right. So we might be, might, maybe some pizza in the future. All right. Maybe that's some cool. pizza. Uh, yeah, that's cool. What is, what is Detroit style? I literally... Um, there's a restaurant in Raleigh and they just, I saw on Instagram yesterday, they were talking about how they'd been to Detroit and spent some time there and they were, they were going to do Detroit style. It's a, they have pizza, but yeah. they're going to do Detroit style pizza some night this week or something like that. I, what does that mean? So if you remember going to pizza hut when you were a kid and getting the personal pan pizza yeah. and that waitress puts that timer down, it's supposed to be in five minutes or less. And it's pretty much the same thing. It's square. It's like, uh, it's like a pan pizza. Okay. So, okay. you know, you get this really kind of buttery, crusty mm. uh, goodness. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of thick like a, um, you know, Sicilian style pizza. You know, it's like a rectangle. Um, they're individual pizzas. And, um, you know, it's like a, the way, there's a place called, there's a little uh, food truck in Austin. I think it's called like Via 313 or whatever the zip code is in Detroit. Um, and they do that in Austin. So John, you know, uh, went there and every time I go to Austin with John, we always, we always go there and get the Detroit style pizza. So they put the cheese and the toppings on and then they put the sauce on top of that and they cook it. So it's pretty much like a personal pan pizza. Um, a little fancier. Okay. All right. Got it. Got it. Got it. All right. That sounds good. sounds good. Even though I just ate a a full plate of barbecue, it kind of makes my mouth water a little bit. Um, well, let me ask you this. Are you, um, just a couple more things now. I mean, as a GM, you're wearing a lot of hats. Um, do you, how much of your energy do you spend on trying to grow revenue and then how much on trying to reduce costs? I'm just curious on this. So I think reducing costs is a, uh, really smart way to, make more money and, you know, kind of looking at things month to month. And, you know, I go over with, uh, Philip, who's our kitchen manager. We go every month, we get our numbers and go over, you know, what the, uh, the meat, the meat costs were, what the meat sales were and produce and dairy and, you know, this and that, and, you know, look at our paper products and see where we're being wasteful and see where we can be, um, a little bit more efficient. So always trying to be more efficient. Um, also trying to uh, figure out how to maximize profit at, you know, this restaurant more than looking to open other places and this and that. So really kind of growing our catering department. Okay. And, um, you know, that's that's grown kind of exponentially in the last couple of years. We've got a couple of really good people that are kind of working behind that. And, you know, for me, I like to be the captain of the ship and I like to hire people that are going to work their butts off and do their job without me having to micromanage them. Yeah. And, uh, I've got some really good people in the catering department now and they, you know, they 
do it all. And they, you know, if they have a question, they ask me, but for the most part, they're pretty self-sufficient and really, really just growing that business. Okay, cool. Um, we have been, uh, when we opened, we were closed on Monday and Tuesday and we had been closed on Mondays. Um, we still are, but starting in January, we're going to be open on Mondays too. Another way that we're just like, Hey, you know, we've got all these fixed costs done. We've got people in the smokehouse already on Monday. We've got prep cooks already in on Monday. Um, we've got people in the front of the house that want to work a little bit more. So let's just do it. And so seven days, seven days starting in January. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, you know, just things like that, just kind of thinking about how to make this more efficient with what we have rather than, Hey, we need to build this, you know, uh, private event space, or we need this other restaurant or this and that, you know, it takes a long time to pay off those loans and to, you know, get that whole thing working rather, I'd rather kind of maximize profits at this spot. Mm. And then once we do that, then maybe kind of look into expanding with something else. Gotcha. 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 Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Uh, I told you about half an hour. I know you got a lot going on, so I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, we'll hold to that. We've been right at, right at about 30 minutes, man. But, uh, Ben, uh, thank you. Yeah, um, you got it. We appreciate your time. We appreciate, you know, the chance to serve y'all. Y'all have a, I mean, folks, if you're in Charleston, you'll hear about Lewis if you come here and just come, come visit. Cause it's, it's truly amazing. The service, the atmosphere, the food is ridiculously good. So, um, they're doing a great job here. So Ben, thank you very, very much, man. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks. Well, yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right, man.